<laughs> Let's just turn that off. Sorry, uh, hello everybody and welcome to Mentally Sound uh, on Spice FM 98.8 FM. This is Mentally Sound, which is brought to you every 12 till 2 p.m. and every second Friday right here, obviously, of course, as I just said, on the wonderful, brilliant Spice FM. I'm your host, Mr. Stephen Hesse, and thank you so much for joining us on October the 13th. Friday the uh, 13th. Yes, unlucky for some. <laughs> Let's just hope uh, and pray we get by through this show, yeah? Yes, yes, yeah. Um, the, the Grim Reapers in the uh, Four Corner, mm. uh, we're just going to ignore them. <laughs> Sharpening his side. <laughs> yes, yeah. It's time, Stephen. It's time. Uh, you're nearly 30. Yeah. Um, but yeah, welcome. Uh, obviously, if this is your first time listening to Mentally Sound, you're very, very welcome to join us here on this Friday. Uh, for those that have not heard this show before, this is a show about mental health, and we're going to get to the reason why we're about 10 minutes late on the air. Uh, so we'll talk about that in the first half hour. Um, but just to give you a brief um, description and sort of disclaimer, I guess I guess is what we do at the beginning of every show, is this is a show all about mental health. Uh, so myself, Stephen, and my co-host, Mr. Ricky Thammon, um talk about mental health and we have guests on that usually do mental health charities or, or involved in mental health in some way or want to talk about their experiences so obviously we, we want to make the disclaimer of that if any guests have say something slightly controversial that's their own opinion um, but we will on a whole talk about taboo subjects that you may find difficult to hear um, but we're a firm believer in being honest and open and you know part of the process is to say you know that if we do a, a mental health show that we be frank about it mm-hmm. and hopefully that we encourage people to to learn more about it because you know maybe the 21st century but we're a little bit far behind in certain things um so hopefully that will change and we, we're a small part in the cog wheel that is discrimination <laughs> um but yes so as i always ask my uh rather rather wonderful co-host how are you mr good sir um, today I'm, I'm actually not too bad. All right, bit of a bit of a manic morning getting stuff ready for today, but uh, I think I'm on track. But it's been pre- I've been pretty uh, pressured recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of stuff going on work wise and home mm-hmm. life and things. As, yes. as you know, we've got a new baby in the household who Indeed. you know uh, refuses to stop crying. But there you go. <laughs> but actually, um, actually yeah. in your house, like you actually spend. Yeah, my sister. Yeah, my yeah. Sister, I live with my sister. All right. Brother, yeah, so, Fair um, but he's a delight otherwise, you know. Uh, <laughs> As the way um, it is. How are you? Uh, I'm all right, yeah. Um, uh, yeah, uh, uh, this is weird considering, like, it's always the things where I just sort of assume and don't don't clarify because I had a phone conversation with Ricky, like, a couple nights ago. Um, but yeah. for the benefit of the audience, um, is, yeah... Um, uh, mental health wise I'm doing okay because um, uh, as people know listeners know you have had a bit of a yeah um, yeah which is obviously like you know I was at last the last show that I did where I sort of ranted um, I think I'm right in saying that but um, yeah I, I, that's actually th- thank you for bringing that up because I should make a disclaimer as obviously like that was the pinnacle of um, frustration for me um, and obviously I apologise to some of the people who um, you know criticise me for not putting the podcast up but that was the reason that I did that but I mean I hope it clarifies in a way that you know by I- the ironic senses we're the human beings mm-hmm. and uh, we have stuff to go through and um, you know Ricky said, some, Ricky said some nice things to me just saying how well I've dealt with the situation because um, and I admitted to him, which I'll admit here, is, you know, when you go through, like, a traumatic, difficult yeah. period of time, yeah. um, when you've got a mental health issue, especially, like, an emotional one, mm-hmm. um, you have no idea how your mental health's going to deal with it. And obviously, you do the general stuff, but when an external environmental 
factor mm-hmm. is the reason that your mental health goes like an actual natural reason to be upset and depressed and mm-hmm. and, and grieving and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing as you just don't know how your mental health is going to handle um and for those that didn't hear last last month's show i was talking to you know i, I was referring to you know i lost one of my closest friends called john um who i'd known for quite a while and uh, my auntie who'd um, had been in hospital for a while and you know suddenly um you know just curtailed and and, and died about mm-hmm. you know not that long after like a couple of weeks after so i had two bereavements like really close to each other yeah. um, and obviously got to make sure that my mom's okay because it was my mom's my sister it was my, my mom's mm. uh, and it was tough in a way because you was it your mum celebrated a birthday recently yes yes, yes. So it yeah obviously an emotional yeah because she just turned 72 which is you know I, and i'll be i'll be honest and but it's it's weird because i've watched a lot of stuff that's made me realize that like as much as like grieving and and that level of of sadness but Mm -hmm. you kind of as you get older sort of not accept it but you just become okay with the idea that that's part of the deal Mm -hmm. um because i've been watching a lot of stuff about you know with that you know it's funny because i guess the way i want to describe it is you watch something like dunkirk which i know we've talked about this on this show before still yet to see that Uh, yeah Yeah. and i've recommended to ricky and others that you should see it because i thought i i went kind of like not knowing what i was going to think and ended up loving it Mm -hmm. um but you watch something like that and if you watch like you know if you play like call of duty or something and you're 15 you don't really fully resonate or understand like the basis of what the game is based on like you know the next call of duty that's coming out which is a video game for those that don't know it's a which is going to be based on world war Mm Two, and i imagine there'll be a lot of teenagers playing that game who'll have an idea but will not know like a full idea of like the the magnitude of that and then you Mm -hmm. watch something like dunkirk Mm -hmm. which literally makes you feel involved in something that you were never involved in but it's obviously like a huge you know historical event mm-hmm. um and and so like that makes you sort of reflect and realize that that's part of the deal and like and just how great you, you become more like i can't remember what it was i was watching because i watched a lot of stuff like this but it was just basically saying like as you get older you just become more grateful about the fact that you get a chance mm-hmm. to, to be alive and a chance to do things and and um but yeah when you said about my mom's birthday like i just think uh, what my sister's brought this up to me is that just you start realizing that like your parents aren't immortal either mm-hmm. and my parents are both still alive um and you start thinking about like you know that that you know not that my auntie doesn't mean anything and not all my friend doesn't but like you know you start thinking oh god like <laughs> and I, i'm gonna have to deal with that one day but then as a byproduct of that and it sort of flipping it to a positive sense you start realizing that like you should take advantage of what you have now and like time is a good thing yeah. and um it's funny i'll mention this just because uh, on on the way here i saw this video and it was chris hardwick who i'm a really big fan of he's a big nerd in america he, he does a podcast called nerdist which is huge it's like very popular and he married a girl called lydia hurst who um um who's part of like this really rich american family i have to say i didn't know who she was mm-hmm. but she's like heir to like a real you know she's the daughter of like a really rich family but she's a huge nerd like she loves horror films and stuff like that and he met her on the talking dead and i saw a clip of him and it was like a facebook live thing and someone had put like the the two minutes of him talking about his wife on youtube and it was a couple of minutes of him talking about how he met his wife and it was so brilliantly con- con- like sort of clarifies what it what it is i'm talking to you about now mm-hmm. in the 
it was just so wonderfully beautiful and 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 amazing. Like because he was describing the, and I remember seeing this episode of The Talking Dead, which is a show he does where they talk afterwards about mm-hmm. the Walking Dead episode that happened previously, and he hosts that show. And I remember seeing this at the time. Mm-hmm. And he said towards the end of the episode, this was a while ago, a few seasons ago, and he goes, I'd just like to say to end the show, because it's a live show done straight after the episode airs. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'd just like to say bye, um, you know, rest in peace to my dad, Billy Hardwick, who was a famous bowler he's in the 60s. He's like a really good, like, professional bowler. And, um, and what he kind da- of bowler was Like a 10-pin bowling. All right, okay. But it was like huge in America in like the 60s I was going to say, this is the same nerd list because you recommended I watch the one with Simon Pegg and Steve Jones. Yes. The yeah, the, the bowling thing. Yeah, yes. Right, okay. Yeah, he, he runs that and he okay, his right. podcast, well, his, his enterprise is called Nerdist and he has a podcast oh, called Nerdist. Makes sense now, yeah. Yes. So, um, yeah, it's the same guy. <clears throat> so, um, so he, um, he says goodbye to his dad, Billy Hardwick, who'd suddenly had a heart attack like the day before and he died, like he died straight away mm-hmm. and he wasn't there and he had to do the show and they were like, you don't have to do the show. And he went, I did. And he said, you eulogy to his dad. Mm-hmm. And what's kind of really poetic about this story is, mm-hmm. um, the, 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 literally after the show and he mm-hmm. was obviously like sort of numb and, um, you know, just trying to get, survive and get by because mm-hmm. he'd lost his dad who he had a really great relationship with and he met his future wife on okay. that taping mm-hmm. and he goes it just goes to show and I know like some people don't want to believe in this sort of thing but he's like even in my darkest hour mm-hmm. I met I met the love of my life on the same day Okay. and even though he never like started going out with her that day it yeah. planted the seed of like she's cool and then if like six he says six months later because yeah. he knew his makeup artist who did his hair and makeup mm-hmm. on the show she knew him like he was friends with him and he goes, you should ring Lydia and ask her out. And he goes, all right, yeah, totally, I should do that. And he goes, well, I've already asked her, and she says she'll go out with you. And he went, all right then. So, because um, he remembered having a good conversation with her, but they weren't yeah. both sing- they were both not single at the time. Okay. Um, so it's just I, that kind of story makes me sort of realise retrospectively is that he was sort of making the very valid point of life changes drastically for a, in a bad sense like it has for me now mm-hmm. but also it can lead to something truly wonderful at the same time so that um, every cloud yeah scenario, uh, yeah, yeah it's silver lining type yeah. thing really I guess because mm-hmm. you know because I've talked about this on the show before is that when I talk about my breakdown and being in psychiatric ward mm-hmm. the there was a, the silver lining to that was is I worked out what what was happening and managed to deal with that and as a byproduct of that I got to get my own place which has made me far happier in my personal life mm-hmm. and it's led to me have Lister um, who's my dog and and like I just feel more like, and it, and it, it's given me the ability to work out what I want to do. It's almost um, similar to me because when yeah. I when I had my own breakdown mm-hmm. it was like. You know, I had I had sort of slagged off social media for <laughs> for years, and I thought, what what is this? You know, what's the point? <laughs> and then, but but I found out that Twitter was my only means of expression. So, yeah. my sort of mental health tweets um, were, were some of my earlier tweets back then. Mm-hmm. And it was then that you know Radio Four picked up on that and said, "Did you fancy coming on? Oh, yeah, to to talk about because mm-hmm. you seem to be quite expressive in your tweets. Come on and talk about it." And I did, and and look look at where I am now. I'm sort of sitting opposite you, doing the show. I don't think any none of this would have would have emanated from exactly if I hadn't done from yeah, done yeah, that, yeah. you know. So yeah, it is every cloud scenario. Well, I I know this is funny that I say that like 
Um, but it's an in, that's an interesting discussion because it's all kind of to do with the risk. Yeah. Um, because there's some people like you know I could I could ne- like, there's a few friends of mine for example who are mm-hmm. single and they've got the, 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 they've got this sort of warped idea that like the love of their life or like their future partner or whatever it's someone's going to come and just sort of sweep them off their feet and <laughs> change their life and I yeah I know <laughs> uh, and everyone has that sort of dream but but which is fine because I'm kind of sort of romantic in that sense that I do believe that happens mm-hmm. but. I the the asterisk I would have is the pra- you have to apply the practical aspect of it of how many people do you actually meet on a given week because I'm aware of how much time I spend on my own mm-hmm. and that doesn't mean like you know I, I remember once on a dating profile which made me laugh the, the, I never ended up emailing this girl because there was some things I didn't like about her but I loved in her profile picture a profile thing and I remember that going I realised that the love of my life isn't going to enter my life unless it's the milkman <laughs> and I went and I went because she's like I don't see anybody and I'm like that's that's kind of why uh, that's what I mean by like you can't like people sweeping off your feet but the chances of randomly meeting you know like uh, there was a great ha- like this is a complete segue but there was a really good How I Met Your Mother episode where Ted goes to a dating profile and she statistically reads out just him being in New York mm-hmm. how many potential women mm-hmm. he has and it was based on like real statistics even though like it was kind of exaggerated in the episode yeah. but it is kind of like true if you look at it practically and I'm not meaning to be the doom and gloom and say romance is dead but I'm just saying you know um, let's say for argument's sake I, can't, I have no idea how many people are in Newcastle but let's just use Newcastle because it's the closest city with, that we are near to. If there's a million people in Newcastle, right, by by statistics, 50% of them will be men. So if you're heterosexual, that's 50% of that million already yeah. that you can't. So add another 50% of the 500,000 that are either taken, married, or whatever, is now 250,000. Then you've got to take um, the percentage of people that are going to be under 18, mm-hmm. obviously, um, so that's a good number of percentage. Also, taking to the fact like you, all the people who are going to be single or widowed who are like mm-hmm. ten years older than you. So you've only got a window of about like a ten year. Like if you have, a, if you're a reasonable approximation, you want to have somebody either between five years younger or five years older, some in a ten ten age range, like five years apart from you. Mm-hmm. So you've got. So if you narrow that down, there's probably only about. I'd say it just in the Newcastle area about twenty thousand people maybe, and then yeah. and then you go, which is if you think about it, is half the amount of people that see Newcastle every week, <laughs> like which really sort of makes you realise like how little that is, um, the and then about- and then you go, how, how, what are the chances of you being in the same place at the same time? Yeah. Like that's my argument. The thing anyway. about interaction on 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 social media and when you sort of get to know people and get to like them, whatever. See, that's all fine, and the same goes for dating websites and stuff. But I always find that um, I don't know. I've not felt felt this since since college, maybe, where you you see someone you like, but you you know there's a rapport and you get that butterfly type feeling. Yes. You know what I mean? And that only can happen in in a physical sense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really happen on a on a on a on a on a sort of interaction on, on online, do you see what I mean? No, no, you're totally right. Yeah, and I kind of miss that. But can I just make to say a yeah, quick yeah. story again? Ahead, this yeah. is a bit of a tangent, but there's a new book out. I think it's called Train Man or something. It describes uh, the author. Um, this lass who used to go to um, 
she used to get this train to work every day and, and she saw this guy that she kind of fancied but mm-hmm. never had the courage to I mean how do you go about saying hi or, or do you fancy going out or whatever mm-hmm. and for, for months and months she just sort of like uh, ignored it but, but thought okay I've got to do something so she randomly passed a note to him and uh, walked on and, and sort of she left a sort of uh, email and whatever and said do you fancy uh, he said back I'm sorry I'm already attached <laughs> but then a few months later, um, she got an email saying, well, the situation I'm in has changed. I'm not with her anymore. So if you fancy going for that drink, he said. Aww. And they're now married with um, with with two two sons. And, and, and uh, she's That's written nice. about a story. Yeah. But I get what you, uh, the reason I say that is because it's what you m- mentioned before about having that romantic kind of... These are the sort of things you imagine happening, but mm-hmm. but but mostly never does. Yeah. I mean, I've often sat on trains and, you know, you saw some, oh, she looks nice, but, you know, you never... How do you go about it? Because it's just a one-off thing. Well, one of the things that, like, and uh, it's it's funny, isn't it? I'll, I'll, I'll say this because it's amusing, is that, like, you know, when, when a person you meet just randomly, like, I don't know, say you go into a shop mm-hmm. and the shop assistant, like, smiles at you and sort of talks to you more than you think is sort of polite, mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know how... I, I've never learned, but this is because all the people I've went out with has been through the circumstances you just described yeah. of that I've met them yeah. um I've met them just by happenstance and um or like through work or for a mutual friend I mm-hmm. don't know um but again like the thing is is this once you reach the age that I am mm-hmm. um with nearly sort of 30 is that you get all your bunch of friends are either are like in your situation where you only know people who aren't single or you don't only know people who are married or like you've got children and all this kind of thing and I'm reaching that point where I'm noticing that and so it's like so so that that sort of point that you described about sort of it naturally progressing and yeah. going from a it's like I, I don't know like with a person like a shop assistant you go I don't I don't know how anyone has the I don't know what we can say pre-watershed, like it makes any sense. Um, I don't know. I don't know how anyone has the guts. I think that's the best way of saying it. Um, mm-hmm. Anyone who has the guts to just go, well, he has my number. There's someone who you've only met for a couple of minutes who smiles at you, and like, because it's then you're like, because the way I look at things is I'm going, now how do I know that person's single? How do I know that that person's flirting with the idea of it taking any further? Because mm-hmm. a lot of people, whether they want to admit it or not, quite a lot of people flirt mm-hmm. just for the sake of flirting. With it, and yeah. it has no, yeah, and it has no like extra meaning. Yeah. And I think, you know, not to be stereotypical, but I think women do that way more than men do because they don't, they don't think it's harmful. Mm-hmm. But uh, but a lot of like sort of guys who like myself, I'll include, who are not really sure what the signs are, and I've never mm-hmm. really learned that. Mm-hmm. Is that some of some people misconstrue it and go, well, that must mean that they like me, and then they go, no, I was just being overly friendly, yeah, and like, yeah. um, so I, it's a really, really difficult to find the right, the right, um, the right balance, mm-hmm. and to go back to the dating thing, I think just to summarize, you're spot on in that, you see, you can have like a really good rapport and like sort of fancy somebody over online. Mm-hmm. But it 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 can be totally different meeting them in person, and I've had quite a number of dates where that's happened, where I've spent like a good couple of weeks talking to them and really enjoying com- having a conversation with them, and mm-hmm. um, because written word and like, but then if you got to think about it, when people email you like a couple of times a day or something or whatever, or a couple of times every so often, like every few days or whatever, is they've had they've had time to reply. 
and suddenly sit down and think about what to say or whatnot. It's so different when you're in an environment where you have to just think on your feet, and and mm-hmm. so that that really the, the your real personality is when you don't have time to think about what to say. Yeah. Um. So in some ways, you know, unless you have a really good ability of projecting your own personality in an email you're very often just a generic person who's like a generic nice person mm. and in some ways it's almost irrelevant i mean it, it, the only way it's relevant is that it, it leads to you meeting them in person mm-hmm. if you're a nice person and you get on and you make them laugh whatever mm-hmm. but i'm just saying in terms of like you showing your like sort of unique personality which you well this was a topic of late um again not meaning to go down too much of a tangent but mm-hmm. i think on one of these morning programs there, there was a story recently where somebody walked into a tesco and asked the asked the um, uh, okay. one of the staff for help, mm-hmm. and the 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 staff were having to be male, and, and the customer was female. And the staff, the male staff member, mentioned like love or or okay, Don or something like that. It's sort of a, one of those sort of terms of endearment. Ah, uh, yeah, okay, right. And um, I guess, <laughs> and 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 and, and, the, and the 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 customer sort of complained, she wasn't comfortable with that kind of approach. But I can get it's one of those where you sort of I can get both sides that. Um, but some people t- who really don't like baby, for example. Yeah. You know, I, I, I get you that. You see, my dad owned a shop back in the 80s on um, Shields Road, you know, that time I showed you, that time we went yeah. past. And mm-hmm. he was he was the same. Yeah. When every female customer walked in, he was always like, how are you, my love? What can I get for you, darling? Kind of thing. And, and it wasn't, it didn't seem, I know there there's, were different but times. But there's some people, there's some people like, which I can understand, is that if somebody like does that every sentence that they talk, it can yeah. come across as patronizing. Yeah, it does, yeah. Um, and also it's like if you don't know the person. But it all depends, I think, on the delivery because yeah. um, it's funny you say that. Sometimes I really don't like that mm-hmm. and I get very like annoyed by it. Um, but then on the, on the separate thing, I am. Um, there's a there's a girl who works at uh, there's a, a a lady who works at Herons, which is um you know other supermarkets are available, but um there are um there's a there's a Herons near where I live, and I go there to get some just random supplies every now and again. Mm-hmm. And the woman who works there sometimes uh, in the afternoons, um she does the whole hey, alright darling, how you how are you having a nice day? And I kind of appreciate it, mm-hmm. um because you you go oh, you compare it to yeah. like Amer- the way Americans you know I hear like how Americans talk to you. Or whatever, or teenagers who just clearly don't care, like don't care, don't like the job they're See, in. See, I'm a sucker for that kind of politeness. Yeah. It's like if I, if I'm on a bus ride and I step off and the driver goes, "There you go, mate. See you later." Yeah. That that puts a spring in my step. I'm yeah. thinking, yeah, how how nice, you know. Rather yeah, than I'm like, it doesn't cost. Like, I I do kind of believe, but I was brought up in that environment that it sort of doesn't cost yeah. anything to be nice. And see, where um, I agree with the complaint in the story I was saying to you, if mm-hmm. if that male member of staff was like to to a male customer went sir, right? Mm-hmm. To to a male customer, but to a female customer, you were like, oh, baby, love, darling. I can understand that that distinction why you'd be annoyed, which is probably why they they encourage. Yeah, you I mean, not you should be it should be certain, madam. It shouldn't be certain, baby or love, and Ooh, you know what I mean. I love that song. Okay, right, we need to take a break. By the way, I just realised we're past uh, we're past that past. Uh, according to this clock, it's uh, oh, that clock's wrong. I think. Oh, is um, it? Yeah. <laughs> but, well, according to this, it's a couple of minutes fast. But um, we'll blame that for. Anyway, it's just after half past, so we need to take a break for uh, some jingles, and we're going to play um, a song. Um, and I should just mention I was going to say this at the beginning of the show and the reason that we're, the reason that we were late just a really quick thing is that um, I, I forgot the memory stick where we put the show on afterwards because we put this on as a podcast on iTunes so I had to run back so that's the reason I was slightly late uh, I'll see the toilet before we started and um, 
And also we should mention that we had a guest on for the first hour who cancelled last minute, um, so which is why I'm about to say we're going to take a short break, but then we're going to come back and me and Ricky are going to talk a little bit more. But our plan is we have a couple of like live guests coming in the second hour, as well as mental health news at the top of the hour. And you're listening to Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM 98.8, and I'm going to play um, I Remember You by the great band Skid Row. Seven days a week, Spice FM 98.8 FM. Welcome to your Community Announcement Answer Machine. To broadcast your Community Announcement on Spice FM free of charge, call 0191273988. Select Option 3 and record your message. No more messages. Spice FM 98.8 FM Cry, they call my name. And when you need me, 
Listening to Mentally Sound on Spice FM.
alone in your bed at night. It's half past midnight. As you turn out your side light. There's no Hello everybody and welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM 98.8 FM. I'm your host Mr. Stephen Hesse and I'm with obviously my good co-host Mr. Ricky Thamen and we are talking live on the 13th and lucky for some <laughs> October. The horror. Um, I hope you are all still alive uh, <laughs> and not chased by um, um, Freddie Mercury. Uh, not uh, what's Freddie versus Freddy Jason? Mercury. Freddie Mercury. Yeah, well, well, he well he could be a ghost of Freddie. <laughs> I often get chased by him. So. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I had the weirdest dream last night that I was a fireman. It was the weirdest dream. Really? Like, uh, yeah, but it was like, it was quite, it wasn't like I was like sorting out a fire or something. It was just, I was in a fire department and I was like, you know, mixing with like some firemen and I was doing training. We went, yeah. we went did, you wanna, did you want to analyze that? Or? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, but that, that's why we've got Amir on actually. Yeah. Great segue. Yeah, what does that mean? <laughs> does it mean I um, had bad childhood memories? <laughs> that's usually what. Yeah, anyway. actually, you feel that something's lacking there and you might see firemen as a place of authority. They save lives. Oh, that's true. They rescue people and you may feel that they need some training. Okay. So they're lacking somewhere, so something in your life is lacking. Ah. But let's not do this lacking. So, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> don't want anybody breaking down so, here. I know. I, you're, you're right, I hate my mother. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> anyway, um, but yeah, as, as you would have just heard, uh, um, we're really delighted because we tried to get him on last month's show. Yeah. Um, but I don't think either we didn't have time or you didn't have time, I can't quite remember the, the scenario. Busy, yeah. yeah. No, you guys had the time, so Yeah, all oh, right. Yeah, that's okay, it's no problem at all. Um, so we're pleased we got the opportunity to fill, uh, to give an opportunity because there was See, we've got some guests in the second hour, mm-hmm. but I'm delighted to welcome Amir. Uh, is it Amir? Am I saying that right? Amir, Amir. Amir. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the context before we ask you a couple of questions um, is he runs the cafeteria which we use before the show and guests have used it obviously and it's where we get our Dutch courage before yeah, the show yeah exactly yeah well there's no alcohol involved uh, <laughs> it's not licensed <laughs> yes but um, it's a really great cafeteria in the Beacon Centre which is where we're based and Amia runs it and so through conversation and through you know getting to know the people who are in this mm-hmm. centre as we found out that he does psychotherapy which we thought was fascinating mm-hmm. considering it's ob- and obviously relevant to what we do so I guess first of all where should we start? Should we talk about the cafeteria or the psych- which came first? Was it the psychotherapy yeah, yeah, the or the psychotherapy? Cafe- yeah. Okay, I've, I've had the cafe about three years now. Um, uh, was that the same time the Beacon opened? Was it like that the, was five years ago? That was five years. five years ago. I took it over and um, and then realised rapidly that they're all interlinked yeah. anyway with the psychotherapy. Um, 
Could you just get the microphone a bit closer to you, please? And yeah, the, just that way. That's great. Awesome. The psychotherapy side, I've always had an interest uh, since training. Uh, mm-hmm. about to start training 10, 12 years ago. Yes. In um, the lack of acknowledgement within minority groups. Okay. Or an acceptance because we still believe in, you know... Um, Gins, etc., uh, mm-hmm. possession, and etc., everything yes. else, and everything can be cured by the power of belief. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And of course, that sort of conflicts in a Western construct where we are now, where you know, where mental health is medicated. Yes, you know, mental mental health isn't medicated in an Eastern environment. Yes, not yet. It probably is now. I but totally yeah. get where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah so it was. It, I always wanted to find the correlation between. Um, how we can bring this together. I'm second generation here, you know. Uh, okay. I was born here, so uh, it was finding the correlation between East and West. And I've always had an interest on that side. So yeah. my, I, I would suggest that what happens is that um, we have a lot of issues with the kids because there's a conflict of East and West. All right. So just that makes to, sense. To build, the, the to start, you know, set the pathway for this, is basically Western constructs are based on guilt. Judo-Christianism, everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You can go to church, you can be forgiven. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Eastern constructs are based on shame. Yeah, yeah. Shame is internal, mm-hmm. guilt is external. Yeah, shame is that kind of ca- karma element towards it, you know. Yeah, like, I mean, you might, you know, doing something bad in a past life means what, why you're suffering now kind it of thing. It could be yeah, that in yeah. the present or even in the present, you know, bringing shame upon the family and everything yeah, else. Yeah, where yeah, yeah. In a Western culture, it's not. You go and confess and say, yes, mm-hmm. I did this. and So this is a conflict. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you have people growing up in an environment where at home everything is shame and when you're out the house and studying and everything else, going to mm-hmm. universities and working, it's all guilt. Yeah. So there's a conflict. We are torn. You know, as part of a community, we are all torn. And this is actually based on most... Of uh, you know Eastern Europeans etc. They have their own ways of, and, and all that to deal with certain situations. Mm-hmm. So that creates a conflict. Right. Um, to address it, we need to build better bridges and understanding between communities and an yeah. acceptance of mental health. Yes. I don't use the word mental health. I use it as you know. I would say emotional well-being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. prefer that term. Yeah. 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 You know, it's a bit more understanding. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I've worked with a lot of people over the years, um, you know, ranging from all sorts of issues, uh, you know, victims of torture as well. You know, they worked right across the board. Mm-hmm. Like, just uh, to touch on that, when you said you, you didn't like the term mental health, this is something we've discussed on this program before, because it's some, and I'm, I'm interested to know why you said that, because is it to do with the fact that, like, sometimes when you say the phrase mental health, this is just from our experience, if you talk, particularly if you talk to people who don't have mm-hmm. a problem, mm-hmm is the very simple but effective response to that like is that men- everyone has mental health mm-hmm. um so in a sense it doesn't address the problem yeah. um so is that part of the reason why mental health as a descriptive way of, of dealing with this is not an appropriate term you've you've got a just position there of mental and health yes mental is a negative Mm-hmm. Health is a positive. Exactly, yeah. So mm-hmm. putting those in, it's mm-hmm. depending on who you're saying that to, or yeah. discussing yeah. it with. That de- that is dependent on how they receive that information. Mm-hmm. They might see the word mental. They might see the word health. Mm-hmm. Emotional well-being is what we all have and we all need to work exactly, on. Exactly, yeah. Thing, yeah. But emotional well-being is you know the well-being of your emotions. Yes. Mm-hmm. 
Which is a lot more it is. relevant to yeah, exactly. That yeah. that I think I agree with you on that. Yeah. Totally, yeah. I had to develop um, that term. Well, we started using that term, not develop it actually. I can't yeah. take credit for it. Uh, <laughs> where, uh, I developed. Well, no one, no one knows. You just, just take credit. Told me, copyright it. We, um, I, I developed a template for uh, <laughs> psychological assessment uh-huh. uh, for insurance companies as listed about six years ago. Right. And it was people who people who suffered injury, but because we were doing it. Uh, in a very large scale nationally, mm-hmm. and a number of doctors were carrying out the assessments for me, uh, we had to readdress mental health. So we used to were, used to use the word emotional well-being yeah. mm-hmm. and do the assessment charts saying this is an emotional mm-hmm. well-being assessment. Mm-hmm. Do you also feel there's a, like a spiritual conflict as well? Because, you know, in our culture, Eastern culture, there's element of spirituality that that's something that sees you through. But I like exactly what you said before, it conflicts with, what we live in here in the Western society where we do go, we do need to go to the doctors when we need. Because in my, I've got experiences where it's kind of like I've been told, uh, well, it's obviously you haven't prayed hard enough or you haven't done so and so hard enough. And finally putting your hands up saying, like, I've got to see the doctor seems an element of surrender about it. Mm-hmm. Do you see where I'm coming from with that? Yeah, most definitely. Most definitely. Most definitely. You're not alone in this. Yeah. This, this is the, we won't say widespread issue. It's a, it's a widespread discussion, mm-hmm. which I've come. Uh, it's taboo in our culture, isn't it? And it's, well, it's, it's, we're not it, great it, at talking, it, are it we? It is, you see, but, it, but in a sense, it, you, if you go back to, uh, when, you know, they started carrying out therapists and counseling, and everything else, I think it was in the late forties, it was a system developed, uh, after the second world war. Okay. Uh, to help people with trauma, etc. We had all the yeah, yeah. coming back. Shell shock and all that, yeah. yeah of course, PTSD yeah. and yeah. everything else. Yeah, we've talked about, I, I talked about this, mm. a book that I got involved in knowing about this. Have you heard of Regeneration? No. It's a, sorry. It's a book, it's a book based on, um, Wilfred Owen and Sigfrid Sassoon, the two poets. Poets, yeah. Um, and it's based on their real life involvement because Wilfred Owen died like about a week before the war ended. Mm-hmm. And they were known as war poets. And yeah. it was the, it's the, it's a book based on the real life aspect of them being in like a sort of war hospital when they get yeah. sent for traumatic things. Mm-hmm. And it really is the basis of like how you dealt with it, correct me if I'm wrong, sort of like psychotherapy and that mm-hmm. they would deal with them by like medicate, like, you know, sort mm-hmm. of not dealing with the emotions, but trying to like make them not feel that way mm-hmm. and get them back. The whole point of the book was that they were just, it was, they were doing whatever they can to get them back to fight. It wasn't about yeah. fixing what was wrong. Yeah. yeah. yeah of course. Um, yeah. so anyway, that, that we would, I'm just saying that's an example of what we were just saying that like, like um, it's a good starting point for what you were just discussing about. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But anyway, go on. What were you saying? No, just leading on from what you said yeah. there. When they actually came out, came back from war, that's where um, yes, they needed a new form of therapy. Exactly. Yeah. Um, and person centered. Carl Rogers came along, and it was just uh, the idea of just listening that people have the innate ability to self heal. Mm-hmm. But then what happened was uh, person centered. The other ones weren't measurable. Yeah. So they had to develop a CBT therapy, you know, cognitive yeah, yeah, behaviour yeah. therapy. Mm-hmm. That's measurable. Mm-hmm. But, you know, there's the jury's in or out with yeah. whether, whether anything works. I, I'm a believer of um, that just talking works. Mm-hmm. And going back to Eastern things, there was always an elder or somebody in the village yeah. who you could go and talk to, yeah. or our parents or grandparents. Yeah, yeah. They didn't need that. And it was kept within the village. There's confidentiality over there. Everybody here would have an auntie or an uncle mm-hmm. or somebody they could go and talk to. So 
then it became an economic model. You know, then mm. people realised you could charge fifty, hundred, hundred and fifty pound per session to make money yeah, off it. Yeah. That's my thoughts. Yes, right. basically, that's uh, an interesting uh, evolution going on there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I personally believe that you know it it should be. It's the least we could do. Is it should be given away for free. Mm. Yeah, at the very least, mm. because it's our community, it's our country, mm. and the issues are relative to our environment. Mm. So then, well, it's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because we talk about the distinction between physical and mental health on this program all the time, yeah. and you know that it's interesting that like we have a, a, a hospital model which is based on the idea if anything physical goes wrong with you, yeah. it's free. Mm-hmm. And yet, a lot of the depending on what mental health problem you have, mm-hmm. is you'd have to go not necessarily the NHS in a lot of cases isn't the answer, and you have to go like to mm-hmm. you know private places yeah. or mm-hmm. to charitable organisations because the very reason that they exist is because there's a gap, yeah. there's a gap in what the NHS provides. Um, so you know, I mean, do you agree with the? I mean, it, it's, it seems an obvious question, but do you agree with the, the the general distinction is that physical health and mental health should be treated equally? I believe they're one and the same. Yes, uh, there, there's no distinction between yeah. them. Uh, psychosomatic. Agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the the term is psychosomatic. Basically, yeah. an emotional. If we, if we're emotionally unwell, we will physically mm. show some signs of that. exactly. Yeah, we will show that. Yeah. Uh, going back to what you were saying is the, the, the earlier on about you know the the, the money and etc. The reason another reason why the CBT model works is because it's economically viable. Yes. If you have a person who can go into hospital and within six sessions, they're given tools to get better. They can actually go back and contribute to society and stop yeah, paying yeah. taxes. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. And be off the percentage. No, of, but that's, that's yeah. what the model's been. Yeah, yeah. Mm. But it's to are, get them off the percentage of yeah. being hundred percent looked after by of like course. the government. You yeah. know. Yeah. So it, uh, it is a uh, sometimes even up to a four times referral rate for the same person every yes. year. So they keep going back. Yeah, yeah. But they're not counted as a yeah. re- referral. Yeah, they're counted yeah. as new patients. So they'll say we treated. Two million this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Reality is probably only a few hundred. We've all went through the CBT, but yeah. it's 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 interesting. I want to go back this quickly, and then we want to ask yeah. you quickly yeah. about your cafeteria stuff because it's fun. Mm-hmm. Is um, I just wanted to go back to when you said about the difference between east and west, which I think was mm-hmm. the most interesting thing you said, mm-hmm. um, because I'm fascinated by that as someone who um, because I just wanted to make the very quick distinction as well as that you said about how mental health is you know mental is treated in a negative sense Mm -hmm. i have bipolar disorder which used to be called manic depression depression because depression by a by its very word is considered Mm -hmm. taboo and and negative just by saying that phrase Mm -hmm. even though like you know we talk about this all the time that you can get depression just naturally um from from a natural you know Mm-hmm. grieving like we were talking about grieving just before you came on the show like about you know that you, that leads to a natural depression mm-hmm. you know it's not a negative thing it's just about the way your body deals with it mm-hmm. but I just wanted to say in the way that I deal with my bipolar disorder it's interesting because I've dealt with the medication aspect of it mm-hmm. and that hasn't worked for me for the most part the lithium but then yeah that kind of yeah. stuff mm-hmm. and more like sort of like, like even more when I was in a psychiatric ward more like sort of psychotic drugs yeah. which is like can be very damaging which yeah. is what I the, my experience mm-hmm. um but then I st- once I started to get well enough again and started to learn how to deal with it, there's, there's a lot of like what I would deem spiritual stuff, yeah. like med- med- um, meditating, which I do every day, mm-hmm. which I learned just by me having the foresight to go, I've got this problem, I want to deal with it and mm-hmm. learn how to get deal with it every day. Mm-hmm. And it ended up really, really helping me. So what I wanted to ask you, because you touched on it, is that do you believe in there's a you should only go one way or should it be a combination of the two like how do you think we should approach is it a, is it a case by case thing like what's firstly, your take it, firstly it 
it boils down to the language mm-hmm. used. The language is very provocative okay. in this environment. Yes. You use the word, you know, I did this to with my problem. Mm-hmm. You see, I don't see that as a problem. I feel you're more emotionally open than others, than how we all used to be. Yeah. To me, it might not feel, you might not feel like that at times, but because we, most of our emotions have been suppressed, we don't know how to really live. Yes. You know, in a sense, you, you I would, without using a cliche, is you have, in a sense, have a gift where it isn't, where it's, where they try to medicate it and everything else. So it's, it's always had a negative connotation. Shamanism. You know, mm-hmm. voices, everything else in your yeah, head. Yeah. They, they were a positive. They were the, they were the people. They were the leaders of the tribes and everything. People used yeah, to go yeah. to them. Yeah, but yeah. they heard voices. Uh-huh. So you see how we've lost that link, medicalizing something that didn't really need medicalizing. Yeah, yeah. That's my thought. Good point. It, yeah. You know, so. That's a really good point. Because I often say the thing about the medication aspect of it was it would try. Uh, it's it's my problem with medication, and I, I've had so many conversations and debates. And I work I work sometimes at Northumbria University where I lecture, uh, or at least I, I'm involved in sessions where I talk about what I think about it based on being on both sides of the fence. Mm-hmm. And I think what you said it sums up my view in that yeah. I'm I'm very against medication in the sense of a lot of medications try and take the negative aspect away of something. And as you quite rightly said, it's a very good point. It's a negative aspect of what someone else says is negative. Um, not necessarily, yeah, and their interpretation of saying yeah. it's a negative thing. Mm-hmm. Not realizing, like, because it's like bipolar disorder is a good example of this. Yeah. It it does. It's a product of who I am as a person, and like, mm-hmm. it's what leads to me to be creative and self-aware mm-hmm. and all that kind of thing. And what I found when taking medication is. It takes care of the negative aspect while sapping the very good thing about you. Mm -hmm. So it's the the, the kind of really basic thing of like you can't live with one without the other. It's treating the symptoms, Um, isn't it? Yeah. They they, they don't... It's like antidepressants. You know how yes. antidepressants work? They just yeah, yeah. Lower the levels yes, of the synaptic exactly, yeah. fluid and guessing work. And they just treat the symptoms. My well, worst in, feelings ever have been on antidepressants. Of course, yeah. they would be yeah. because you have to. The, there's a fluctuation in the synaptic yeah. fluid, which has a knock-on effect. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, it's it's to, to summarise what you're saying there. The question I would ask is, you know, can you really numb the spirit by medicating it? You can't medicate the spirit. No. And that's your Very great, great See, point. No, no, and I, 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 I mean, everyone kind of has a different view on what spiritualism is, but I mean, from, from my point of view, like, just, I guess it's sort of like being, um, humanitarian or whatever, mm. like a humanism yeah, or something, yeah, and yeah. The, that, yeah. that's how I view it as, and I know some people believe it in a religious sense or whatever it may be, but I do generally believe in that it, it, it's kind of in a real, I guess for, for people listening to understand it, kind of like a, people power in a sense like yeah. you like having the ability to understand who you are as a person and how you work and how to make that relevant and efficient and like and 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 sort of be efficient in in your own life like i think that's kind of the the it's, hardest part mm-hmm. but, of course it's, if, yeah. if, if you're continually told that it's something wrong with you yeah then you're gonna believe there's something yeah wrong yeah and then you don't work on it to a certain. Well, or like you, 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 you feel very like let, you know, we, we, yeah. we regress. We yeah. we want this. You know, we 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 want to be looked after, mothered, because there's something wrong with us. But there isn't anything wrong. No, with no. The only thing that's wrong with us is we're being suppressed. Yeah, I got criticised because I said a lot of the time you fall into the trap of like playing the victim to a certain extent. Some like, people, some, look, don't some, get me wrong. Some people need the help. Yeah, so yeah. In a sense, if they want it, it's there. Yeah, but yeah. It's you know not a not a for everyone. Uh-huh. Right, I was going to say because we've yeah. we've been talking we about well, the cafe. Yeah, cafe. Yeah. Like, so how did that the start? Cafe. Uh, East-West connection psychology. 
<laughs> there is actually you see the connection that's there. great though what it basically is it's good coffee by the way put, put that as a subtitle on the, on the front yeah yeah, yeah. Be quite good uh, <laughs> what I actually did was I wanted a uh, coffee to bring people together uh-huh. if you want a curry or anything else you go and go to your mum's house right your mum <laughs> yes. makes the best curries yes my mum's of course she's not around but if she was around she would totally agree with that yeah. so uh, I thought if you want a curry you go home if you yeah. want another curry you go. so what I actually did was I made everything in there as English dishes there's not a curry in sight but everything's halal. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, I don't sell anything beef. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we can have the Hindus in there, we can have the Muslim there, we go in the English in there. It's a very eclectic mix of yeah, people. Yeah, it is. I always notice that mix when I come in. I yeah, think. yeah, That's why, because yeah. the people eating it don't know that it's this and that, and then, you yeah, know, you yeah. could someone with a head covered. And the other thing is, I've always had a pension for doing charity work. Mm-hmm. So the, since January... I've been feeding local families whose benefits stop. This might happen. Right. I've been feeding those for free. That's Refugees, nice. asylum. See, it doesn't really matter which country, even from here, we've had families, English families, whose benefits get disrupted and they can't feed their kids. That's yeah. amazing. That's, so that's a really nice We've been bit, doing yeah. that about the last nine months. And uh-huh. We're getting the charity registered. I'm just going to let it grow. So. Brilliant. So again, it's a, it's so what's a the name of the cafeteria? Because I always uh, go in and I don't actually know the, the name of it. Dine at the Beacon, choose a chicken is right. the chicken that we're doing there. Okay, dine at the Beacon. Dine at the Beacon. Okay, it's on Facebook. It's dine, yes. at, the, dine at the Beacon. Right. Okay. Yeah, because it's one of these things that we use every time we come here, and like, but I don't even know the name of it. I just walked in and went, "I'll have this." Like, yeah, we'll have a caffeine yeah. before we so come like, to the studio. All like, all like pre-show meetings happen in this cafeteria. <laughs> it's it lets me do yeah. what I want to do. Yeah, I mean, it's great. Know, I can work with work with communities, etc., and groups, etc. So, mm. so like, uh, is it half and half? Like, do you work on the cafeteria and then do psychotherapy? And I you, do, yeah, I do have so clients as well. Yeah, yes. I'd, I'd like to do more, but this actually takes up a lot of. Time. I imagine so. That's why I'm asking you. Time, yeah. So. All right. Cool. Well, good luck with everything, and just thank you for coming on and talking to us about it. I think that's got I've had so much I'm going to that quick thing about east and west I'm going to start thinking about that have you got two minutes for an interesting story about bipolar yeah go very quickly if you can yeah I was working with a guy with bipolar uh, and he said could you come to the bipolar society of Newcastle which I believe used to meet at the Quaker meeting house a few years ago Mm -hmm. maybe about ten years ago nine years ago is that the one in Jesmond? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they were having the meeting there first Saturday month. So I've gone in there and they've given me a label with, with a name, sorry, not a right. visit, no, 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 yeah, yeah. Uh, an actual label right. with my name on it, stuck around my jumper. So I'm sitting there and they're discussing tautologies. Okay. I don't know if you know what that is. Mm-hmm. I know what Okay. Yeah. So they're discussing tautologies. Mm-hmm. So I thought, Phew, this is very deep bipolar cast. They had a break, hour, hour and a half, they had a break. I went in and asked the guy, I said, oh, do you, you know, do you got bipolar? He sort of looked at me really strange. What are you talking about? And then when I went back in, I realised I was in the wrong group. <laughs> in the Newcastle Philosophical Society. <laughs> <laughs> six months later, I ended up on the board. Oh. I think everybody did on the philosophy. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you had an open mind. That's what it is. <laughs> right, listen, guys, Brilliant. That's really funny. Well. No, thank you. Fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, you too. Thank you, Amir. Thanks, thanks. Right. Uh, thanks you so much to Amir. We're going to take a quick break now because we went past one o'clock, but that's fine. It's a fantastic interview. Um, we've got a couple of guests in the second hour, so they'll let them guys in because they've been waiting patiently outside. We're going to play um, some ads, and then we're going to play Fast Car by Tracy Chapman, and then we're going to figure out... We might have to do mental health news a little bit later, I guess, because we don't want to make these guys wait. Can do, um, but we'll figure something out. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to play. Um, obviously, the uh, we're going to play some ads now, and I'm going to play fast car with Chasey Chapman, and you're listening to Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM, ninety eight point eight FM. Same old radio sound. <sighs> then you need vibrant radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, ninety eight point eight FM.
Angiti, exquisite real Indian dining. Angiti chefs are real Indian chefs from five-star Indian restaurants, cooking authentic and unique dishes for your enjoyment. Come and enjoy our exquisite Indian menu, put together by our expert real Indian chefs. Angiti, exquisite real Indian dining. 168 Kells Lane Gateshead, NE958Y, just off Old Durham Road. Call 0191 491 4343. Search us out on Facebook at Angiti UK or log on at angiti.co.uk. Planning a wedding? Wouldn't it be great if you could go to one place for everything? Well, now you can. Chai Events is your local event specialist that can help you with venues, catering, decor and entertainment for your event. We can save you money and let you come to your own function as a guest and leave as a guest. Call us to discuss your requirements with no obligation. 0191 603 0633. Find us on Facebook or log on at chaievents.co.uk. Same old radio sound. <sighs> then you need vibrant radio. Spice up your life. Spice FM, 98.8 FM. Get to anywhere, maybe we make a deal. Maybe together we can get somewhere. Any place is better. Starting from zero, got nothing to lose. Maybe we'll make something. Me, myself, I got nothing to prove. You got a fast car. I got a plan to get us out of here Been working at the convenience store Managed to save just a little bit of money Won't have to drive too far Just cross the border and into the city You and I can both get jobs And finally see what it means to be living See, my old man's got a problem yeah, but the bottle, that's the way it is He says, body's too old for working Body's too young to look like his My mama went off and left him She wanted more from life than he could give I said, somebody's got to take care of him I quit school, and that's what I did You got a fast car Is it fast enough so we can fly away? You gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way So I remember when we were driving Driving in your car Speed so fast it felt like I was drunk City lights day out before And your arm felt like crap round my shoulder And I, I had a feeling that I belonged I had a feeling I could be someone, be someone 
someone You got a fast car We go cruising, entertain ourselves Still ain't got a job Now work in the market as a checkout girl I know things will get better You'll find work and I'll get promoted And we'll move out of the shelter Buy a bigger house and live in the suburbs I remember when we were driving Driving in your car Speed so fast, it felt like I was drunk City lights stay out before and Your arm felt nice, wrapped around my shoulder And I did high Had a feeling that I belonged Someone, be someone. You got a fast car. I got a job that pays all our bills. You sell drinking late at the bar. Some more your friends than you do your kids. I'd always hope for better. Thought maybe together you and me find it. I got no plans, I ain't going nowhere. Take a fast car and keep on driving. Remember when we were driving, driving in your car Speed so fast, it felt like I was drunk City lights stay out before and Your arm felt nice, wrapped around my shoulder And I, I had a feeling that I belonged I, I had a feeling I could be someone Be someone, be someone Enough so you can fly away You gotta make a decision Leave tonight or live and die this way Hello everybody, welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM, 98.8 FM, and we should say, my name's obviously Stephen and I'm with Ricky again, and huge thank you to Amia for that interview uh, before we just did the break. Wasn't that a great interview? Fantastic. Have and again, we, were, we were just spending the entire break, most of the break talking about the West versus East and how they deal with mental health, that was fascinating, as well as mental health not being an appropriate... Uh, term so that that's got me i'm probably going to think about that the rest of, like the weekend like oh, that's such a fantastic point um but also we should say because i've not said this yet that uh, we're on the tweets and um, it's at underscore mentally sound and i'm at geek apocalypse and at vivid ricky for, uh, at underscore geek apocalypse i should say and um uh, at vivid ricky for ricky if you want to follow us and if you want to talk to spice you can do so at at spice fm and uh, go to the website www.spicefm.co.uk and also you can email them at studio at spicefm.co.uk UK and I always get told to say that and I always forget um, so there you go um, but, and obviously as well if you want to uh, listen to this podcast version because uh, we do this obviously live 12 till 2pm is you can uh, subscribe to us on iTunes if you type in Mentally Sound you'll find about something like 16 shows or something because mm-hmm. we did it on a previous radio station um, and we've done about 6 I think 6 since, since July 
Yeah, uh, June, something like that. April, I think. Was April, official, yeah. April. Yeah. Sorry, I've got no idea. The, the way time flies. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway. So yeah, we've done we've done a fair amount of shows now on Spice, but obviously the, uh, you can listen to the full amount of shows that we've done over the last two and a bit years. Mm-hmm. Uh, anywho, um, I'm very pleased to say, as we said, we had a couple of guests. So what we're going to do is do mental health news, but we're going to introduce Tom, uh, who's one of our guests in the second hour. Uh, so welcome to the show, Mr. Tom. Hello, sir. Hello. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Um, I, I should say just for the benefit of radio. I was. Uh, we should admire the fact that he has a very awesome beard. Um, <laughs> and a face for radio. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> don't, don't, don't do it a service. Um, I said a nice compliment and he bashes it down. Um, it's just you actually when you first uh, when I first saw you through the window of the radio station you you, you looked like a friend of mine um, and I was like going is it Rob? But I was like no it's not because <laughs> he had a very similar um, l- uh, full beard. So I was like I, I, it just reminded me of a friend which is good. That's nice. You know it is nice. Um, but yeah, so we had to talk about a number of different things, in in particular the fact that you've got a, a meeting happening at the end of October. Um, but also, so you're kind of involved in housing, letting people get housing, so when did that start for you? So yeah, that's right, I work for an organisation called ACORN, so we're a renters union and anti-poverty organising group, so yes. like a trade union but for people that rent their homes. So we do a mix. We started in Newcastle in 2015, December 2015 okay. in the east, and we're just yes. starting now to go citywide. All right, cool. Um, so in a sense, why did that start? Did you? I mean, it seems obvious to say that because we got so many companies on. I'm sure it was it was it because there was a a gap. Did you feel people weren't getting the service that they wanted? You know, do you know talk about it in that sense? Yeah, good question. And I think yeah, all of the above. So okay. you know, the number of people privately renting in the UK has doubled in the last ten years. So yes. now 11 million people, 11 million of us renting our homes privately in the okay. UK. And the standard, so we pay... Do you have any idea why that is, just out of curiosity? Uh, basically because house prices keep going up and wages mm-hmm. don't. And we just don't have mortgage, 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 mortgage Exactly, so yeah. more people are, are not able to afford to buy a house, so they're yes. renting for longer, if not forever. Yes. Um, and so we pay the highest rent as a proportion of our income in the whole of Europe. So on average, <laughs> people are paying 41% of their monthly income in rent. In wow. England. So okay. we worked that out. So you work from the 1st of January till May the 31st for your landlord every year, and the rest of the year is for yourself. That's probably so true. We pay you a lot you of make money. me think about my own rent now. Like, going, <laughs> yeah, oh, so how much I, do I spend? I think it, it <laughs> probably is about 41%, if I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's quite precise figure. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, and so it was in the FT. So in total, <laughs> that's £54 billion pounds a year we're paying every year in rent in this wow. country. Crikey. And then what we're getting for that is not very good. Yeah. So one in five privately rented homes, according to the English Home Survey, is dangerous to live in. It's got a Category 1 health hazard. Oh, okay. Um, so that's like we've had members of our union who go to hospital with carbon dioxide poisoning because the oh, boiler okay. doesn't work. Yes. Miss time off work because there's loads of mould in your house, the ceiling falls in. Uh, yeah, and considering it's rented, it's their responsibility. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So, so, and then one in three doesn't meet the decent home standard, which is a kind of standard around you know it's easy to heat. It's kind of like a basic kind of minimum standards that we'd expect. <laughs> yeah, so we're paying a fortune for homes that could kill us, <laughs> uh, and often it's very insecure and people don't feel very safe in their homes. So, yeah. there's a lot of us and there's a lot of problems. So, hence, I imagine you're probably helping people on the lower scale rent wise as in people who just you know are, are going to be people who have got these type of houses because obviously we should say for the benefit of i guess in a legal sense that like not all rented property are like that yeah totally. um, but um, um but i'm assuming your point is that you, you might be dealing with people with benefits or something who get the lowest you know the lowest type of housing and that, um yeah i know. mean so you're right it's basically it's the lottery because it's not a very well regulated industry so yes. i've had plenty of really nice landlords and i've had plenty of horrible ones yeah, and of course, it, yeah. it's a kind of random chance and actually like we find it's not just the, i mean it is the lowest income 
part of the spectrum, but yes. it's not just people on the lowest incomes. Like most people we meet who've rented have had some kind of problem with that, where their landlord's not done repairs or the deposit money has disappeared and they've never heard about it. Yeah. Most people we meet have had some experience like that when they've been renting in the private sector. Yeah, oh, I wouldn't be surprised to hear At that. the same time, we've also had good landlords, that's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> have you ever rented, Ricky? I have, when I was a student, yeah, uh-huh. down in Middlesbrough. Because you said you do deal with university stuff as well, which is yeah. interesting. Because um, you said something during the break I want to talk to you about. But yeah, do you, what, what's your sort of take on it? Have you got any well, views? Well, I'll just talk about Econ, I mean, the, the sort of anti-eviction side to it, because uh, there's a very powerful image. That we have, because I've worked with Tom with, with Acorn, so, uh, so I've recently joined. But um, tell us about what happened in Bristol uh, very recently. Yeah, so well, Bristol and Sheffield actually. Yeah, so, Sheffield as well. so as an example of the kind of stuff we do, so okay. a mixture of individual support and campaigning. So the mm-hmm. individual support side, um, one of our members was asking for repairs in their house because it was like mouldy and damp and leaking. Mm-hmm. And the landlord's response, rather than doing the repairs, was to serve them with an eviction notice because they thought, well, I can get someone else in to pay the rent, so you can leave. Wow. Um, and what happened there was the ACOR members in Sheffield, this was like 100 people came out in the street and they linked arms in front of the house to wow, stop them being cool. able to chuck their stuff out into the road. And yeah, it was a really good, yeah. like, we got a good gif in that video. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, um, and um, the moral, the moral answer to the question you know like i always say this about like you know when people go oh that you know when when you get heard like you get a sob story of of someone or someone just in bad luck which you've just described and people go oh that's a shame there's an example there we where people can actually do something about it absolutely you know the moral aspect of of a a situation that people just don't want to you know discuss like you know how about we morally do something about it (laughs) (laughs) i think often people feel powerless and then the idea of a union and having other people who can support you is that you're not on your own yeah and so in that instance the landlord has now agreed to let them stay and do all the repairs so it's that kind of like collective action and support of people coming together to i hate that attitude work with i'm not i'm not i'm I'm, imagine people listeners will feel the same way but i hate that attitude of i'll just get somebody else like i hate that i hate that hate it anyway i read a startling (laughs) fact on the Acon website it was 2015 as many 43,000 evictions yeah i mean that's staggering isn't it considering i imagine a huge chunk of that 43,000 would have been marginalized people Mm. people as you say are struggling on benefits not being paid um, so how do we, how do we sort of go on from spreading the message there? I mean, even people who who are own their own homes. I mean, do you get people them who are concerned and, and joining? I mean, for me, I suppose. I mean, we've talked about Grenfell, haven't we, a few times mm-hmm. on this show? I mean, that that really angered me. I think that's the hugest inju- injustice of our generation. I mm-hmm. feel really impassioned that I want to give those marginalised people, you know, a voice. Um, how do we go about doing that on a more powerful level? Absolutely, and I think that that the problem, one of the problems that was seen there, is just that no one listened to them. Yeah, you know, exactly. they were they were talking for years about what was. They going had their out. own blog, didn't they, where they were listing all these problems. And I think I read the quote that it's going to take a disaster for people to finally, yeah. well, the authorities to sit up and look and, and listen. And yeah. they were proven right. Yeah. yeah. Years later, and so for us, I think what it's about, I guess, is that you're not on your own, mm-hmm. and that there are millions of us affected by this, and millions of people yeah. who want to work with you to change it. And I mm-hmm. think. For a lot of people, it does feel very hopeless. So I think that that element of being able to bring people together to say, actually, on your own, it is hard. It is mm-hmm. very hard to be heard. But mm-hmm. collectively, like with that example in Sheffield, there's a lot we can do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've done campaigns before where we've got you know banks to change their policy. And it, mm-hmm. it it's doable if there's enough of you together. Um, so 
Can interesting I on the or now or interesting what? you mentioned the banks there because yeah. it's like with people who struggle with debt mm. there's a campaign now to get you know credit card companies for example to when they notice you know a, a sort of a very manic spending pattern ha- happening among certain people you know for example people we mentioned bipolar who are having a manic episode might right. for example spend more than usual mm. and, and banks to see this I guess would be alright oh, that's good news for us but it, we're getting the message out now there that if you notice such a, a, a mm. pattern happening that you put a stop to it because obviously that person is is, is on an episode and then therefore you know gets into a bigger a spiral of debt yeah it's a similar thing isn't it with this to get the authorities to listen i think so and and you know but there's been a lot i've been reading a lot recently about the you know the fixed or betting terminals so yeah, people with gambling same, addictions yeah. and the same yeah. kind of thing where people can spend thousands of pounds in the morning mm-hmm. um and the, the credit card companies just watch it happen yeah at the moment um well, because I guess they go, it's an individual's responsibility, isn't it? I mean, mm-hmm. like, because as you say that, as someone who has bipolar disorder, um, it's funny that um, if I ever feel like I'm having a manic time, um, I avoid, like, because I am po- I play a little bit of poker, but I play, like, really small stakes, <laughs> like, because I, I, I just like playing. Um, but, like, you know, you can fall into the trap of, like, if you, if I have a manic episode, I can fall into the trap of going, I'll just play higher <laughs> than I'm used to. And, yeah. like, so I just make sure that I, like, turn off my computer and, like, I don't, you know, I don't log on. And, like, um, which, which sounds ridiculously easy for people who are not knowing what I'm on like not knowing the mm-hmm. the thing that I'm on about but um, the problem when you're manic it's the thing that I find and it makes you more depressed when you get out of it is that you just aren't aware of um, consequence mm-hmm. um, and then when you get out of a manic episode and you have the depressed cycle which usually happens is that you're brought on by the fact of I just did something really stupid and I couldn't <laughs> yeah. stop myself yeah. um, even though like I've never had a problem to the extent of like I don't like you know bent my bet my rent or anything like that like i'm talking 10 pound or something mm. but the way luckily the way that i'm brought up if i spend 10 pound on something i shouldn't i get unbelievable guilt <laughs> <laughs> that i'm like how could you do that yeah. like so you know but um but y- it's valid though i wanted mm. to reiterate as someone yeah. i get it on a really small scale mm. but i can imagine somebody taking that to an extreme um i just luckily have enough about me where i go i shouldn't do this mm. like um um, and I guess there's so many like sort of addictive things out there that like mm. you can spend stuff on that like it's dangerous. Tom, tell us more about the we've had we've had several discussions about universal credit recently. Yes, that was the last thing um, I wanted to ask you. It's yeah. very topical at the moment. Mm-hmm. Well, where do you see the link between that and what what you're campaigning on? Yeah, so for those who don't know, universal credit is the new benefit system. So they've rolled together I think six different benefits into one. <laughs> so you apply for one, and it, and in theory, it's supposed to make it simpler. Um, oh. In practice. Um, Inbuilt into that system is a six-week delay. So if you move from housing benefit to universal credit, you have to wait at least six weeks. And mm-hmm. we've had one of our members wait three months. Um, and we've been speaking to other members over the last couple of weeks. And people, by mistake, get taken mm-hmm. off the system. So they get no money for four months because the universal yeah. credit has administered it wrong. Because um, our region was the, the breeding, the testing ground for it, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, like Newcastle, Newcastle and yeah. I think Hartlepool together yeah. was one of the test areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and... There's the I think your home's Newcastle, the, the social housing provider, is now something like a million pounds in arrears on their rent collection because right. so many. So with a private sector landlord, if you're two months in arrears, they can evict you. Mm-hmm. So if you're waiting for your housing benefit for more than two months, you end up being in a very vulnerable position where you yeah. may lose your home. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one thing we're looking at, and so we have this meeting a week on Tuesday, but we're looking at what one campaign we might run is getting landlords to not evict anybody just because they're waiting for this money because obviously. They're it's entitled not to that really income. their fault, yeah. It's mm-hmm. not their fault. There's often, and the other thing is there's a 55p a minute helpline. 
That's so right, yeah. you've got no money and wow. then to contact the helpline costs you <laughs> wow you're ringing 20 minutes luckily I've never had that problem but yeah um, but you're listening to minutes of like Rivaldi yeah. or someone that was 55 pence that cost me <laughs> yeah. uh, like, uh, <laughs> and they don't just let it ring until you speak to somebody yeah, yeah. pick exactly, up and yeah. then you got away yeah. so mm. so in terms of housing and this union <laughs> idea you know we could, that's one campaign that collectively people in Newcastle could run where we collectively mm. persuade landlords that this is important that we need to not make people lose their homes just because mm. they're waiting for a bit of money to come in because mm. i know that you can retro i know I, I, i've never done this before but i know is it am i right in saying you can re, you can you can uh get housing benefit in advance or something um, yeah so or, you can apply for for like a an advance payment but yeah. you have to know that you can do that and know how to do that yeah, so yeah. one thing would be i, think I wasn't even aware of that until someone told me uh, yeah because i get housing benefit and i'm like i i I wasn't even aware you could do that. I mean, the thing is, if you're if you're stuck at home and you can't afford to pay for that helpline, for example, and what ministers are telling you is, well, get down to the job centre. But how can you if you're at home, if you're having a, a mental health episode, if you're disabled, yeah, yeah, you've mm. got kids at home. It just prolongs the the problem, doesn't it? Or, or they, I think the the chief finance minister or something said, just get a loan. Right. And it's so hard to get out of debt when to get into debt. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's pushing people to a very vulnerable I, situation. Yeah. So. I always avoid, I think, the idea. I spe- well, we touched on university thing, which I think is a really good point. That, like, this is a good segue because, you know, the amount of debt you get into going to university. I went to university and I probably, I don't know what, how much I <laughs> am in debt for. I mean, it, and considering I was the last generation before they upped it, mm-hmm. you know, I used to start so was like mm-hmm. that nine thousand in fees in mm-hmm. in the, in in the three year course, which is now one year in in, in it now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, like you were ta- you were just touching on this university credit thing, so I wanted you to make this point: is that so? What what? How do you get round if a student's waiting? Like, and 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 what is renting like for university now? Because I rented for a while. Like, how, how, what's the current situation? Like, is it is it better? Is it worse? Or yeah, I mean, it, I haven't been to university in a long time either. Yeah, but, but we, we have a number of student members, and I think it's a pretty mixed bag again. So there's, yeah. there's more of those kind of custom built student blocks, yeah, which are nice in long. some respects, but then they're quite expensive, yes. so they're not accessible to everybody. And then for those who do rent in the private sector, it's honestly it's been a similar experience to everybody else, which yeah. is sometimes they're really nice and sometimes it's horrible. And I think often people think it's their first time out of out of home. Yeah. Um, and often they don't necessarily know what they're looking for, but then that's true of anybody renting a home. Uh, yeah. It's true of family, it's true, and we've found it's basically the same across the whole sector. Cool, I'll mention your, because we want to get onto mental health news, because we've got uh, for five minutes, if you want to, are you cool for five minutes? Yeah, definitely. Um, I just wanted to say before we get on to mental health news, and we'll do a quick, we'll do a quick fire mental yeah. health news this week, Um because you asked me to met, well you just mentioned this in the breaks so I thought it makes sense to talk on the air um, you've got a meeting coming up do you want to explain yeah, what that is that's okay so, yeah. so a week on Tuesday so on the Tuesday the 24th of October at 6pm in the Brunswick Methodist Church which mm-hmm. is just behind Waterstones by a monument in town yes um, we're having a citywide meeting where it's called Take on the Housing Crisis where people are going to come together from across the city and decide our next campaign so do you think we should be working on this universal credit issue should we be looking at rent control? You know, what's most important to you? Um, and then come and decide. It's sort of an open it. forum, isn't it, really? It's not like a public meeting where you have a list of speakers. I like that. Yeah, exactly. I like yeah. that because instead of you deciding what the best situation is, it's actually asking people who are in the that problem. Yeah. That's a really good, mm-hmm. simple idea. And, and <laughs> then how do we go about doing it? So, you yeah. know, these are the big topics within housing, but yeah. which one's most important to you and how are we actually going to make that happen yeah, in yeah. Newcastle together? And, and if you've got no idea, don't worry, you can come along and, and people will contribute there. Cool. So. 
That's cool. 24, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah, thanks very much. No problem. Right, so as I said to Tom, so we've got some time, then we've got our next guest coming in about five minutes or so, because we need to take a break, quick, very quick break. Um, But what I want to do is is mental health news, quick fire stuff. So for the benefit of people, we usually do this at the top of the hour, but we wanted to crowbar in Tom, um, (laughs) is we have three sort of headlines from the past month of us not being on the air, because we were one of them on show, and we basically have a quick, we'll do a quick fire version of a debate where it's usually funny or silly or, or, or quite serious. Um, so Ricky's going to do a few headlines and me and Tom and uh, Ricky are going to quickly just discuss them so fire away Ricky with uh, we should as we keep mentioning we should, cause since we moved to the spice we should have a jingle for this you know because I did that whole joke about the Ricky thing of like mental health news but um, anyway um, mental or, health or, news. or a bong at least yeah. something like that <laughs> bong yeah that like news at 10 <laughs> bong this is Trevor Man- McDonald yeah so yeah, uh, okay. We've we talked about you. I was intrigued by this. I didn't know. Do you remember the fo- German footballer you mentioned, the Sebastian Dazler, who was oh, yes. football? Yeah, yeah. Well, sad, sad story that um, another footballer has, has has retired due to the very same reasons. Do you remember Chris Kirkland, the former England oh, goalkeeper? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Played for a number of clubs, including Liverpool. Like Liverpool, so yeah. Coventry. His, yeah, yeah, his current club, uh, Bury. Uh, he's asked them to tear up his contract because. Um, he's, he, his career has been plagued by injuries as well. I think was the same with with, with uh, yeah. He was injured a lot. Yeah. Um, but his depression's got this so much is so overwhelming that he's asked him to tear up his contract that he just wow. you know, can't. So sort of, um, very sad. I mean, he's only thirty six. I know for goalkeepers isn't that old. A lot of goalkeepers play on to forty potentially. Yeah. Man. So. Um, well, do you know, like, there's, there's, speaking of goalkeepers, there's like there's a there's a whole bunch of goalkeepers that have like struggled with because um, um, I don't know if you know this, but David James. Yeah, uh, David James had like a huge like he became bankrupt and he had I think he had a gambling addiction. Did he have a gambling addiction? Something, addition, something yeah. like that. Oh, and I, and I know he had an alcohol problem because they made a joke about this on BT Sport, which I thought was kind of insensitive. <laughs> but he but he was involved in the joke. Um, I saw this recently. Um, they were doing a pre uh, like program for the match on BT Sport. Okay. And they were doing like a, a like a sort of um video thing round the stadium. And there were whole like Glenn Hoddle like uh, was doing keepy ups and stuff like that, and then it goes to the bar, and David James is behind the bar, and I'm mm-hmm. going, that's really that's really insensitive. <laughs> but then the joke is he's pouring what looks like a pint, and then he 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 reveals that it's an orange juice. All right. And so and I was like, okay, fair enough. Like, he, he did it. Talking about talking about yeah. insensitive because another um, problem, another ex football had his problems with Paul Merson, you know, a yes. gambling drink, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And get this right. So he was sitting in the Sky Sports studio with Richard Keyes. <laughs> I've heard this. And uh, and they were, you know when they do pre-match to predict the scores, and, and he turns to Paul and says, "So Paul, if you were a gambling man, who you, <laughs> who's your money on to really win this game?" Yeah. And I've never seen someone's face turn red well, so um, quickly. Well, have you ever heard about Clark Carlisle? Yes. Um, yes. He, he recently thing. had. Yeah, a, yeah. Well, I was just going to say. I don't know if this is in the headlines, but he went like, missing. But yeah, that they thought yeah. he uh, was yeah, missing. Yeah. yeah, and um, he was found in like Liverpool or something because his sister was it or something. His sister or some his member wife, of his family. Oh, his, his wife, wife was Harry it. Put a, a uh, peel out on Twitter, Twitter, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw that, and I and I saw the thing, and then luckily, like he was found because um, it's weird because he runs the he runs like the did it was it the kick kick racism thing and he was also a member of like the the players association he's got a new I think Charlie's associated with in yeah, but he, sport and mental health but yeah because yeah. he did that whole documentary which I hugely recommend if you yeah. can find it the whole thing about football suicide mm-hmm. right. that like the underground of the, the and he went it, to Germany really good. he, vis- he and, visited um, the family of Gary Speed um, yeah yeah oh, he visited because it was a German goalkeeper sadly took his life didn't you, you remember a few mm-hmm. years ago I don't know him. I do remember that it was Maybe. a German goalkeeper yeah 
Anyway, but yeah, yeah I, well, I, I, well, that's that's sad. But like, I'm assuming Chris go about the, the, the original thing. Mm. I'm assuming Chris Kirkland did it with the intent of it was too stressful to continue. So if that's the case, he's doing the right thing if for he's the club. Doing, and he, if, if he's, he's looking after his mental health yes. and wants to regain his mental well-being yeah. again, then, then I, mean, I think that's a good thing. Yeah. And again, unlike Sebastian Dyler, who retired at like 25, like mm. not to be. Wasn't he it. an international as well? Yeah, oh, he was like, he was regarded as one of the best young German. He yeah. just signed for Bayern Munich. Like, yeah, yeah. he was a real, yeah. like, he was like, regarded as like a wonder kid. Mm-hmm. And, um, he'd never, he, they were wondering what was going on because he went to Bayern Munich and he just crumbled and he just was like half the play he was. And then mm-hmm. he just suddenly said, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, cause Aaron Lennon, who plays Everton, had the same thing. And I was yeah. really pleased well, that he got a lot of, he got a lot of, um, he did. He, he, did. Got, he got a lot, got of, a lot of, uh, of support. support yeah. Um, cause when I saw that, it kind of shows, the world we live in, or at least the, the response you expect to get, mm-hmm. is that I saw that and went, I really hope he gets treated well. Yeah. Like, because you just Ooh. think they're going to go, oh, he gets paid a huge amount of yeah. money. Why can you, how could he be depressed? Like, you know, yeah, not exactly. that m- money's got nothing to do with it. Exactly. Like, exactly. Uh, anyway, but uh, good, good thing. Like, <laughs> I was talking about all sorts of stuff there, but anyway. So, um, um, yeah, this week we had World Mental Health Day. Um, and what happened actually, one of the actions which happened on that very day was that. Um, 150 MPs uh, wrote to the Prime Minister saying, right, look, it's about time. You've talked about parity of, of esteem for so long. Mm-hmm. And Amy has said before about, you know, them being, there shouldn't be a mental health and physical health. They're the same thing, Courtney, yes. which I totally agree with. So they've written a letter to the Prime Minister says, right, enough's enough. Let's ring fence money now for mental health spending because, um, you know, you've, You've, you've promised all so much, um, and a startling fact, this, this t- stat sells it all. Since 2010, there's those 6,000 fewer mental health nurses since 2010, and that wow. just sort of sums it up. I was going to make a joke, go on, what's her response? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if anyone gets that joke, it was the speech she did. Oh, the the speech she did. Uh, um, no one got the political joke, I'm, I'm political humour. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> the political humour, nobody got it. Um, anyway, but um, that was terrible, that speech, I saw. I think that's another example of it's very easy for the government to say nice sounding things like we're going to treat everything really well. It's all sound bites, isn't it? But when when the proof comes to the pudding, when the headlines have gone away, just quietly cutting services. And Mm. I think that's. Well, yeah, I always think what they say and then what they put in their manifesto. I think so many people do that where they go, oh, well, they said it because they know it's a big thing, but they don't write it in the manifesto. Well, what brought it on was Uh, in 2012, there was a government motion, uh, something called the Health and Social Care Act, which meant there would be parity of esteem. So what by doing that, I guess you you kind of put yourself on a benchmark, and if you don't rise up to that, then you're going to be ridiculed, and rightly so, they've yeah. been ridiculed because you know they've not done it. So good point. So, right, uh, final some, one. Some better news to end on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you go recently, right um, five thousand people took part in a memory walk, which is uh, run by the um, the Alzheimer's Society. I don't remember that. Ah! <laughs> you and your jokes. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm in one of them. I'm in one of them moods. I'm in one of them moods where I can't say it. I can't not say it. Like, I'm like, I feel, I feel like I'm letting myself down. <laughs> <laughs> so they took part in a in a coastal walk at South Shields, and they raised an incredible three hundred sixty-two thousand pounds. Wow, that's insane. And this, this was led by um, a, a, an actor by the name of John Middleton, who plays who's in Emmerdale. He plays a vicar who's. Struck oh, yeah. down by Alzheimer's. My mum will probably know who he is. So, um, That's good, cool. good on them. Excellent. That sounds awesome. awesome. I love it when I love it when people do that. I, and it's like it's nice to know that people who are probably you know in a in a position where people know who they are mm-hmm. that they still go to grassroots and actually do something. Absolutely. You know, because yeah. I, I I mean it's very often you get like I heard this being talked about with actors, and I think it's kind of true. And I don't mean to be 
you know disrespectful because there are some very good conscientious actors around Mm -hmm. but um i think it was ricky gervais or somebody made this really good point where he says actors always have to mention that they have their own charity like you know in interviews and stuff they always go like so you know they always get like sort of questioned morally and they go well i'm a member of this charity and then you usually find that there's some people um if you do enough digging that these these actors and stuff they just basically see the charity but no money and don't contribute to the charity at all (laughs) it's just that they have to have something to make it look like they're conscientious and they're not just about themselves and um because there was an actor who got found out and i can't remember the guy's name but he was on like csi or something and he was doing an animal rights he was doing animal uh, an animal charity like sort of promoting like you know animal well-being and being treated properly and like not to you know put dogs on like dogs and cats on the street and stuff like that and um they like he didn't turn up to an event like last minute mm-hmm. and then they did some digging and found that he'd like not contributed to the charity like whatsoever <laughs> and he was just basically happy for them to like have his name associated with them mm-hmm. which um i think Almost as worse as just not doing anything, really. Well, Charlie's become like a, a bandwagon for a lot of p- famous people yeah. to jump on, and it kind of, you know, it, it, it sort of use it to, you know, elevate their career. And cool. Sense, you know. That was good. That, I thought that we summed it up perfectly. Huge thank you to Tom, as we say, his, his, um, just to let uh, remind him, just so he'd, uh, his meetings on the 24th was at the Brunswick Church, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, Just right, near Waterstones, isn't it? Uh-huh. Um, so obviously come along. Like what time did that start? Six o'clock. Six o'clock. Go half seven. Uh, okay. I'm assuming in the evening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're not that keen. <laughs> We're not that keen. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Hughes, thank you, Tom. Thanks it was a pleasure. Uh, no later. problem. Thank you. Uh, and we're going to take a quick break now, and then we're going to be back with our last guest. And a huge thank you um, for listening so far on Spice FM. This is Mentally Sound, and we're going to play "Blame It on the Boogie" by Big Fun. So I'm assuming it's a cover. Um, but um, but we'll see. Uh, and we'll be right back to Mentally Sound right here on Space FM 98.8 FM.
back into the round two, so... Yeah. Cool. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Mentally Sound right here on Spice FM. I'm currently without a co-host because he ran to the toilet because we had to do like a three-minute break. Um, but I'm sure he'll be back. Um, he'll be back very soon, so I can obviously hold the fort. Till then, you listen to Mentally Sound. My name is Stephen Hesse, and thank you so much for joining us on this Friday, the 13th of October. As we've been joking about, we hope that you're still alive. And I said accidentally Freddie Mercury instead of Freddie <laughs> Freddy Krueger. Um, but if Freddie Mercury's joining you from beyond the grave, then uh, that's fun as well. Um, but obviously, uh, we're just joking about the fact it's Friday the 13th if you're a horror fan, which I'm not, so it's fine. <laughs> um, but uh, as I mentioned, because we had two guests, you thank you for Tom. And obviously, we did a little bit of mental health news. He was obviously a little bit longer than we expected to, um, but I'm pleased to say Ricky's back now, just taking a seat. Um, but we have our extra special guest on the second hour. For our second guest, we have Ali. Uh, welcome to the show, Ali. Nice to have you thank on. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem at all. Um, and it's interesting because I was just having a chat with him in the break. I mean, not that we do pre-interviews on the show. I mean, we kind of do, but kind of don't. Um, and it was just fascinating because he said about talking about mental health and, and asylum seekers, which is something... Um, have we ever talked about that on the show? No, I think this is the very first time. Uh, yeah. In term, that's why I was interested to um, speak to Ali and the West End Refugee Service is where you're from. Absolutely. Are you a member of staff or a volunteer? No, I'm a member of staff. You're staff, right. Ah, okay. right. That's cool. Mm. Um, because he was just saying, Ricky, because uh, during the time you weren't here, is um, he was just explaining to me, so obviously for the benefit of the audience as well, mm-hmm. um, just obviously the asylum seekers and mental health, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, Ali, but like, um, just that that that's kind of not really an avenue that's explored because I guess like you know moving a country is like really you know like a really big thing and it's a huge decision and I guess like from a mental health point of view especially is that really if it's, if it's a war torn country or yeah, you're fleeing yeah. from war yeah, fleeing from torture that kind of thing which is why why I was really interested yeah. in exploring this with you absolutely because you know most asylum seekers flee their country they. Either experience horrible experience, mm-hmm. being tortured, beaten, or in prison. Uh-huh. So when they come here, or oh, they manage to come here and claim asylum, mm-hmm. they are all they have fled danger there. Mm-hmm. And here, unfortunately, probably because the experience he had, he has mental health without even himself knowing that he's mm-hmm. sick. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. The case will yeah. process his case as normal person. So when they come here, it's almost that 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 condition starts then manifest. Start to manifest. And they don't realize, and then they need that additional help. Absolutely. And that's what you guys are. You counsel to? You, do you do much counseling with these people? No, no, not at all. We are do, we are, we are, we are Western. Do my session is support work. So yeah. we see anyone who's coming with mm-hmm. any issues. Okay. Some of them come because of their case, but we do not give any immigration advice at Western Refugee Center. Okay. So we signpost them where they can. Signposting to maybe if they need the counseling and the help Absolutely. and that sort of thing. All right. Okay. It's really cool. Yeah. Hmm. So where exactly? So is that your like? What's your story like? As in, where did I? Were you from a, a like a, a? I don't know how to say this. Like a war ravaged country. I don't know. Like where exactly are you from? Yes. Okay. I'm originally from Rwanda. Okay. And I came in this country in 2002. Okay. As an asylum seeker myself. Okay. My case went very quick here, and I was granted refugee status. So since 2002, uh, I live in this country and in northeast in particular right yeah. have you so, found it was yeah. welcoming place and and yeah initially it was very difficult for yeah. Newcastle because we were some sort of new population coming in Newcastle Africans uh, we can go all over the, we can see any mm-hmm. uh, African around so it was very we were felt culture shock culture shock, shock. and yeah. 
can't speak English. Yeah. So it was really tough for us. Now, of course, Rwanda, as we know, is has had its problems. Was the 90s was a civil civil 1994 that civil war and the, the genocide. The quickest genocide ever happened. Yeah. In this I mean, world. I remember that quite well. Yeah. Um, so has that led to your you yourself having your own problems? Post-traumatic stress disorder were, you, were the things that you saw, Absolutely. which you carried over here, and it's kind of stayed with you. Well, it's come by 2004 when I was invited to say something about my experience during the genocide. Yeah, that's when I understood that I have serious problem because mm. I could not tell them my story at mm. all. It was you sort of bottled it in, and yes. not yeah. Okay. So that's when I was advised to see the counselor and say, what's counselor? So, well, mm. counselor is someone you can tell him your problems and mm. he will guide you and you can come out of something. Mm -hmm. So, we don't have counselors in Africa. We know you can speak to your grandpa, grandma, uncle mm. to get some sort of counselling. Yeah. So, mm -hmm. here, I discover that. Okay. And uh, within 10 months, I managed to come out with my story. And that was the first time I began to tell people my story. Yeah. So, I realized how hard it was. Yeah. And mm -hmm. This amazing counselor who transformed my life, mm -hmm. uh, oh. I could not believe that this can happen yeah. to mm -hmm. me. That you're allowed to talk I about it. I knew this was my secret life and yeah. I did not tell anyone. Mm -hmm. But after developing that, coming out, yeah. I see the difference. Mm -hmm. I see the difference because I got children. You know, mm -hmm. Before it was my children, I don't like them to know anything. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, but now... We are chatting like a story, even yeah. if it's painful, it's yeah. difficult, but we managed to come out and speak about yeah. it. Yeah, so which I guess is, I mean, for doing a mental health show that we do, I mean, that, that's kind of the deal with anyone who comes on, is that we kind of just go, you know, it's not about judging people, it's about giving people the opportunity to talk about what they've went mm -hmm. through. And, and I mean, what you kind of described is something which I think a lot of people don't take that leap of, so which is just... Re acknowledging what's happened you know you know because we talk about all sorts of things that are traumatic from you know you mentioned post-traumatic stress like post-traumatic disorder and like you know people who have suffered abuse in that Absolutely. in their past and stuff like that mm -hmm. the 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 difficult aspect of it that a lot of people who don't deal with it is that's the problem yes. they don't deal with it mm -hmm. so it manifests itself into something far greater and mm -hmm. um, because they're not it's letting people be aware of like yourself you you would have learned through doing the therapy because i'm you're preaching to the choir here i'm exactly the same is that you realize that like the only way through it is to acknowledge it existed and accept that it happened and fight and and then you start that's when you start the process of learning to deal with it absolutely um absolutely. um and that obviously takes time what I'm fascinated by, like, because I guess just because I'm, I, I want to learn more, because I don't know much about this this sort of subject matter, is when you said that you become like a, a legal asylum seeker. Like, what does it mean in terms of like rights? As in, are you actually a register? Like, do you become a registered citizen then? Like, how does it work? Yeah, I guess from a legal sense, because I'm yeah. just curious. No, usually when you come in this country, there's a claiming asylum process. Mm -hmm. So usually home office will screen interview yes. the first time mm -hmm. and manage to give you accommodation of the place where you're gonna stay to mm -hmm. the time they prepare your interview and to give you a chance to get legal aid. Right. So on that point you are asylum seeker. Right. Then home office will decide about your claim. Right. If it's negative, if they say no, we don't believe what you're telling us, you have the right to appeal to court. Okay. And you, with the help of your solicitor, you will appeal to court. Mm -hmm. But 
court also if it's negative it means you have exhausted all the right of appeal okay for that point what they will advise you to take step to go voluntary to your country because here they will not let you stay because you fell in, in court okay but initially when they come back if it's positive they can either grant you after the interview mm-hmm. refugee status mm-hmm. which is 5 years okay but there is another type of status which is a humanitarian protection we got some sort of uh, exception leave to remain 2 years and half without recourse to public funds things like that okay so that you have been given stay and automatically we will have any right like any british citizen which is that was that what happened with you yes okay so after 5 years mm-hmm. you can apply to become british yeah right if you were refugee okay or apply first indefinitely to remain after mm-hmm. grant indefinitely to remain 12 months later you can apply to be british citizen that was my case so in 2007 i became british citizen technically and in wow. that process when you, when people go through that poor process is is those people's vulnerabilities like mental health issues are they are they prioritized uh, do, uh, i don't mean to say that it gives them a leg up necessarily but is the, is it where the authorities recognize that they do have some deep issues that need help with and therefore yeah let's get I, them i can give you some example yeah for example an asylum seeker who exhausts all the rights of appeal which mm-hmm. means home office will stop their support they used to give him Okay. Which is thirty-five pound every week okay. and full board accommodation. Mm-hmm. So on that point, they will make you homeless mm-hmm. and you become destitute. Yeah. So for people who initially are on treatment like on mental health mm-hmm. medicine or something, mm-hmm. when you become homeless, you have nowhere you can take your medicine. You can do so. so you are homeless. Yeah. From that, your situation will worsen, mm-hmm. and usually some of them are. Caught by either police hanging around at night, realize they are not well, mm-hmm. so they take them to the hospital. Realize they got record on mental health, so they will section them, mm-hmm. and they become a bit okay. But on the time on discharge, they will need home mm-hmm. because you cannot discharge someone who <laughs> just to go back to the same yeah, situation. They still need help to re- readjust yes. to society, won't so they? So that's exactly. where the local <laughs> authority come in. Yeah, and the, you will be assessed under section two of the support, yeah. and if they realize you deserve that support you'll be given accommodation mm-hmm. and some sort of cash 35 pound every week mm-hmm. so th- that that are supported mm-hmm. even if your case is fail but the difficult come when home office cannot deport you there is a country where these people are coming from uk mm-hmm. has no connection at all they don't have embassy they don't have to deport them they need travel documents i see and when they come here they came without any document mm-hmm. so he's from iran he's from those country where home office has no way to approach the embassy or those consulars to say well this is your citizen he had failed his case please send him back mm-hmm. no so these are becoming destitute failed asylum seeker mm-hmm. and it's up to them because home office say well we offer you the chance we can pay you to go back to your country we can do everything but uh, if people flee those atrocity and now say go back to where you where you were before yeah. Yeah. i said no i prefer to to die here in the street or yeah, where yeah 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 i mean who would want to go back to the place of their trauma is exactly, what you're saying exactly yeah. exactly so through that yeah. that's when they are referred to a project 
okay. or hardship fund. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We got about 160 destitute fel- asylum seekers okay. who come from those countries where home office yeah, really. So I was going to say that's where you come in now. That's what you, you work for exactly. in, in terms of helping. That's great because it's, I mean, not not to not to sort of sound patronising or anything, but it's like you're actually giving back to the very process that you found yourself in here. That so, cool, yeah. I, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, from our point of view, doing this radio show is that like I think for a certain extent that's how we feel about like you know any mental health stuff is that anyone who's helped us along the way. It's like I guess it goes back to what you said about your traumatic experiences that by talking about it, it might help someone realise that talking about it's the best situation and mm-hmm. and obviously us talking about your situation now might lead them to come and get help off you and the cycle continues yes. like in a positive way exactly. as opposed to just you know putting it to one side like you were just saying so mm-hmm. just um, I was intrigued on your website the West End Refugee website the kind of list, list of support work that you do I was intrigued by this word befriending yeah uh, tell me more about the befriending what that well, is well this is amazing service which actually Myself, my yeah. my wife, when she arrived here, she benefited that service okay. of befriend. What's befriend? It's someone who isolated, does not speak the language, does not anyone. Really iso- isolated. Place. Isolated. So yeah. we got volunteers who are keen mm-hmm. okay. to help these people yeah. on mm-hmm. understanding the city or knowing what they need to do. Maybe they don't speak the same language, but they will try to show them they got empathy and they share with them. So if they got problem, they can help. They need to be taken to hospital. Maybe I say, please, can you help me pick me? Or, oh, yeah, I will go with you. Things to reassure That's them really, that they got really someone nice, yeah. who's supporting them, mm-hmm. not to give them any type of immigration because when it's come on support work or something, they always refer mm-hmm. them to our service. And you also do physical activities and engage them in things like gardening. I was reading. On your well, this, we are working alongside with Comfrey Project. Okay. Where we refer a lot of clients. Is that a sort of like a horticultural therapy yes. that you offer? All right, okay, that's interesting as well. Yeah. Which now it's based in Gateshead, but in Newcastle, Fantastic, we have a lot yeah. of allotments where many asylum seekers used to participate up to now. Wow, so that's fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I could talk, we talk to you forever, but unfortunately, we're just hitting our we're hitting our time to end. But um, I just wanted to say, like, it, it's interesting because I'm sure Ricky will back me up on this. Is so, sometimes when we get people in who do a certain charity, and you sort of sit there and go, "It's good that they're doing this," and obviously they're dedicating that time. But then you start thinking, some charities like intertwine and do the same thing and you know you, you sometimes think maybe if they got together and stuff but in listening to your story and the stuff that we're doing what i what i'm in what i've in, enjoyed this process and talking to you is that you actually do something which i imagine is quite unique um or at least mm-hmm. it's something i've never heard of mm-hmm. and it's obviously something that needs to be dealt with because immigration i mean we were talking off it ali and i'm sure he won't mind me saying this but like um, it, we were talking about, I imagine, for asylum seekers, with the fact that the terrorist terrorism during the time you've been here um, has got out of hand. And so I imagine, you know, that the screening process is a lot more stringent and a lot more difficult to do. And, and we've never even got a chance to talk about that. But, like, um, that's obviously something that's, mm-hmm. you know, on everyone's minds, which leads to people, you know, wanting to talk about that subject yeah. more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's nice to know, you know, because um, I have to say the people I've met in my experience from and i'm a firm believer in that if you're prepared to you know contribute to the country and 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 val and and you know respect the country that you're in but 
at the same time we need to have a country that accepts all cultures at the same time if we can have that balance then I'm a firm believer in that everyone should be welcome um, so in that sense that I don't think that we should let the stereotype of the you know terrorism you know a bit like it's I, tarring everyone with the yeah. same brush and Thank you. That's a lot of people to... forget that those people coming over frame are, 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 are victims of terrorism themselves yeah, absolutely. yeah. yeah. so where are you based just before we go where are you based so people can find yeah, you we are at the west end of Newcastle it's not far from St James's Park, is it? It's just yeah, up the road. It's yeah. Avison Street. Yeah. And you said there's a website, Ricky. There's, a, there's an online presence. If you Google West End Refugee Service, yeah, we'll you get the everything. old vicarage of the right. Life Life Church, which is okay. Yeah. Great. Okay. So as I said, yeah, as Ricky just said, go on the website if you want more information. Yeah. Huge thank you, Ali, for coming on. It's been an absolute great, pleasure. Ali. Thank you very much. Really um, great way to end. Thanks. Thank you, and thank you for waiting. I apologise like, <laughs> for, for being last, but the way things go. Um, right. Um, obviously, the benefit is that I'm recording this properly so we can we don't i don't have to worry <laughs> about change. the engine yeah um because it's usually on a two-hour block so that's good so i can end now but we're just past the two two o'clock so we have to go uh, but a huge thank you for joining us today on october the 13th uh for mentally sound here on spice of m 98.8 we survived FM. friday the 13th we did yes uh, well it's not ended yet it's only two o'clock okay yes, um very oh my god ricky what are you doing with that knife <laughs> <laughs> no i'm sorry it was a joke it's a joke no no social workers please um but in all seriousness huge thank you for joining us here on this Friday um, obviously like I mentioned before if you're listening to us live um, obviously listen on this podcast we, we appreciate it but if you're listening live right now we have a podcast version of this which is just the recording of this very radio show that you can listen to on iTunes if you type in Mentally Sound you'll find all the previous episodes as well as this one uh, so please do consider listening to this and obviously we'll be here every second Friday 12 till 2pm on Spice FM every month uh, huge thank you to Ricky my co-host huge thank you to thank all you. our guests to Tom to Ali uh, to I'm Amir yeah. um, and thank you so much for joining us uh, I'm going to end by the classic uh, Stevie Wonder I just called to say I love you which is a fantastic song and we'll be back uh, next month on Mentally Sound here on Spice FM 98.8 FM have a good day guys bye <laughs> No New Year's Day to celebrate. No chocolate covered candy hearts to give away. No first of spring. No song to sing. In fact, Bye.
What? 